Good evening, everyone, um, and welcome to the Bloomsbury Institute. Um, I'm very pleased to, um, to thank Hatchards, who are a new partner for the book club. Um, and I recommend you all go to Hatchards this weekend when you're doing your Easter shopping, because um, we have a beautiful new window um, showing off all the books that are in our spring season um, of the book club. Um, and those are Pond Life by Al Alvarez, of course. Um, the God Argument by A.C. Grayling. Constance by Patrick McGrath. Return of a King by William Dalrymple. Um, yes, I'd say those four. Um, so I hope you will join us for those as well. Um, I'm delighted to welcome Alvarez. Um, and I'd like to introduce Editor-in-Chief of Bloomsbury, Alexandra Pringle. Should we have a round of applause? Hi everyone, can you hear me all right? Yeah. Okay, shout if you can't. Um, I'm very, very happy to be here as Al's publisher and editor, not that he needs any editing whatsoever. Um, publishing Pond Life has been uh, one of the great joys, as I said to Anne earlier, one of the great joys of my professional life. What I propose to do is a very quick introduction to Al, but really I'm sure all of you know more about him than I do. Um, and then we will talk just uh, a tiny bit between ourselves, but I think that most of you have read the book, and you're, this is a book club, so what we would like is questions from you, because this is a chance to really talk directly to Al yourselves. Um, Al Alvarez is a critic, an essayist, and a poet, who also is a poetry editor and critic, introduced British readers to such amazing poets as Lowell, um, Miroslav Holub, John Berryman, and very famously, Sylvia Plath, with whom he had a long friendship. And some of us were lucky enough to see him portrayed in the film, Sylvia. <laughs> God help me. Yeah. And one, one, of the, one of the few regrets of my life is I couldn't go to the premiere of it with Al as his date. <laughs> it would have been so much fun. Um, he's written autobiography. I even believe he's dabbled in fiction. Not much there, yeah? I'm, uh, yeah. I'm some fiction. Yeah. A little bit of fiction. <laughs> um, he has, uh, as well as poetry, he's, re he's written about suicide in The Savage God, about divorce in life after marriage, about the oil industry in Offshore, about poker, his great game, in The Best Game in Town, about mountaineering in Feeding the Rat, and now in Pond Life, about swimming and old age and love and many such things. I was looking earlier in my office at the press that we've had on it, that he has had on it, and it's absolutely wonderful. The file is that thick. And the reviews are ecstatic, apart from one. I think you had one person who was a bit catty, a male cat, I have to say. Yes, thank, <laughs> thank God. <laughs> but he has a hex out on him. Um, I'm just going to quote very briefly from The Independent on Sunday. It is the near collapse of body and mind that change his prose from the gently poetic to the wrenchingly poignant. The final pages are an artistic triumph and worth the reading alone. The rawness and linguistic economy with which he describes staring into the abyss is exquisite and exquisitely distressing. I thought that was very moving. Um, I've also had so many emails from people and indeed tweets and Facebook posts about this book. It's had, it's set up conversations all over Britain. 
And I think the one that gave me the greatest joy was from the nature writer, Horatio Clare, who sent me this very long message on Facebook. And I'm just going to read it to you because it amuses me so much, and it also moves me. Just now, on the loo, I confess, I opened it. That was half an hour ago. Had I not wanted to write to you, I would still be there. <laughs> I mean, they talk about nature writing and comic writing and life writing, and you open this and it's all nonsense. They are so rare, these people. And here one is, sitting on the bath, as it were, grinning wryly at you, who is engrossed, pants around knees, and telling you the story. Absolutely beautiful clear as a cowbell. Thank you very much indeed, Alexandra, I sent him the book. I met him once, and of course, it must be like meeting Beckett or something, the force that crackled off them, and he was just a great, lovely guest. Good for you for publishing him, and them, as it were, as they should be. I hope it sells in pondfuls. I will definitely be buying. So, here we are. I'm glad to say not sitting on the lavatory. Thank God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, um, I thought we'd start not with pond life, but back a bit, and then move towards pond life. Of course, life. whatever. Yeah? Sure. So, um, should we start with some poetry? I remember once you said that poetry is a craft, and that you can be taught it. What do you mean by that? Poetry is... A craft. Well, it is indeed. You can be taught it, but it, that's not really quite what you need. It's a, it's a very weird thing, writing a poem, actually. Um, that it's one of those things where you it's the only thing that I know where you have to get it absolutely right. It's not a question of getting it more or less right, or partly right, or half right, or whatever. It's just going to be spot on, or it doesn't exist. And you, you have this weird thing that um, you you think you've done it, you think, but you know somewhere or other it doesn't work. Um, and that, it's that somewhere or other that you that you have to latch on to and, and and get it get it get that out of the out of its system before you can actually say, I've got it, it's fixed, it's done. And if there was any part of your writing life. Which bit of it would you choose to go with you into the next life? Oh. Well, I've got to tell you, I'm pretty happy now. Um, that um, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's my life has changed definitely, um, but I think it's really changed for the good, which is something you don't necessarily have to report, is it? That um, that um, I th I don't know. Obviously, I'm now getting to that point where you know everything is falling apart anyway. But um, but there's still there's an awful lot of good stuff going on. So you know, I'll 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 stick to now for the moment anyway. That and in terms of your writing career. What's the thing that you're proudest of? It's an interesting point. Um, 
the book that, you know, as it were, was the book that I, I can't get away from, obviously, is The Savage God. Um, and that was, you know, that came out of an awful lot of A thought and B kind of really scraping, scraping my particular barrel. Um, but the, I, I wish I could, I wish I could tell you exactly. Um, do you like the Savage God? I mean, it's possibly well, now, the most famous now, book. How close to it are you? Well, now, I haven't, to be absolutely frank, I haven't looked at it for 20 years, so I don't know. But I remember thinking, okay, I'm going to do this, and I'm really going to get it right. Yeah. And, I, and I, think I, I think I did eventually. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'd love to talk for a little bit about Sylvia Plath. Because sure. Partly because um, Granta Online had a lovely interview with you when you talked about her and how when you first knew her, she was really overshadowed by Hughes, that his was the big voice, and that it was later that you realized she was the greater poet, particularly the poems that she wrote after they separated. Well, they, they are absolutely extraordinary. Um, I, I actually think what actually happened w w with them is that he... he, he the thing about Ted, he was, he was, a, he was a, a very nice guy, particularly if you knew him as it were man to man. You know, he was, he was fun and so on and so forth. But he, um, he, he found it very difficult to keep his clothes done up, um, put it that way. That um, he, 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 he had an awful lot of girlfriends, and I think that. Um, you know, which is you know perfectly understandable, perfectly reasonable, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But there are two things. One, I think she really couldn't take it um, that that there are there are women who sort of don't mind, and there are women who do mind, but don't talk about it or something. But with with, with Ted, I think she really could not take it and um, this this produced a, a terrible yearning largely because you see she was a, i suppose she, she was a you know a girl without a father the father had died when she was what was it 10 or something like that um and he was a great big yawning hole and so she really needed someone she could rely on. Um, and um, Ted was great fun and so on and so forth and very serious. And, but um, he was not someone anybody could rely on. Um, and um, I would say, I quite recently read um, a selection of, you know, I don't know what, what it was, but anyway, it was a lot of poems by Ted, which were absolutely about sort of flinging it around, kind of totally um, 
without sort of compunction even, you know, that, and I imagine that even if um, Sylvia hadn't been a very difficult lady, um, or relatively difficult lady, that um, I, I don't think, I just don't see how she could have put up with that, particularly when she found out the degree to which it was going on. You know, the, the, um, the Hugheses uh, were, um, you know, very um, proper people, but it was, they really did behave very deeply improperly as far as Sylvia was, was concerned. And, you know, she was a great friend of mine, and, um, um, and, uh, and the, th the thing was that when, when all this was happening, what I got was Ted's immediate reaction, because he was actually using my spare room, um, and, but somehow or other, I, I think, I think he was deeply not to be um, taken. You know, he, he really, he, he really didn't um, let on the degree to which he was just screwing around, and it wasn't just um, on her. It was on everybody. You know, the um, that he had girls, and then girls, and then girls. You know, it was. A complicated life she chose to lead. Exhausting. Yes, exhausting, very, yeah. <laughs> um, which leads me on to the rat. I like, uh, I'd like to hear about the rat, as in uh, <laughs> your rats, as we know, in our, um, is an adrenaline junkie. So uh, that has led, led him to climbing mountains and playing poker into the night. And then on, I suppose, to swimming, which must swimming. be... Swimming. It never crossed my mind that swimming was a rat, but you'll do. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a bit about your relationship with the rat. Oh, well, I just think of rats as fun, um, which is probably not the right thing to do, but um, they... Um, I, th I tell you what, I have a... Um, I think I spent, um, I had a pretty rough childhood when I was, because I had problems with my legs and um, I had a lot of problems anyway. Um, and so I think I can remember, in fact, even that when I was young, all I wanted was to be good at I was a very clever child, and I didn't give a damn about that. What I cared about was um, the kids um, who could do this stuff automatically without thinking about it, you know. And I had to think about it, really, um, you know, because I, um, you know, I, I had problems when I was very small. Um, and I think that... And all I know is that when I went, when I was at school, um, what I cared about was 
stuff that really doesn't matter very much. I, um, you know, being good at boxing and um, rugger, all all those things you want to be good at when you're when you're young before you learn what you are good at, um, and that seemed, that seemed to me to take up more time than, than was probably strictly necessary. But then it <laughs> took up time through your adult life too. Well, it took up time in a different way, I guess. But um, I mean, and actually physically doing all this stuff, including flying aeroplanes. And yeah, well, the flying aeroplanes was done with a friend who um, who owned the plane and. Um, taught me to fly a little bit, um, and it was, but it was his plane; it wasn't mine. But, um, but no, I, the the point is, I think, looking back now from from a great distance, as it were, I had a marvelous time. <laughs> I really had a very very good time when I was young, and it got better. Um, uh, you know, um, and I ha have a lot of very good friends who, who came along with that particular um, thing to fill that area. I would say I did a lot of climbing, um, which, you know, is a marvelous sport. Um, and then. Um, I don't know if that'll do for the moment. <laughs> well, let's then. So, so there you were, active, climbing mountains, flying planes, playing poker, and then gradually you get older. That's right, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> <laughs> and this book, this book was originally um, commissioned a few years ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes, I guess so. Yes. Which was we basically said to our, oh, why didn't you write about? swimming in the Hampstead Ponds and growing old. And you said, sure. And then time passed. And I did nothing, yeah. <laughs> That's what you thought. And he said, I can't write it. I'm not writing. It's not happening. And then last August, I got a call from Anne saying, I think you think that there's a book in the diaries. Yes, which was totally true. I mean, if it weren't for Anne, the, the book would certainly not have been published. Um, I'm still not sure she's right. <laughs> Just for the record. <laughs> but you and Anne seem to disagree with this. Uh, yes, vehemently. Yeah. I think actually so does the outside world if the reviews are anything to go by. I think you're in a minority here, Al. <laughs> it's all right, as long as there's somebody in the minority. <laughs> Do we want to, does anybody, would anybody who's read the book like to start asking Al some questions about it and anything else? Anything, all we yeah, need Christian. is to start talking, yeah. yeah. Um, one of the Can people hear, would you like to have the, I think maybe we ought to have the microphone. Hello. Thanks. Um, one of the surprising things is that um, it's a book that is very much a, a piece of nature writing. Yeah. <clears throat> and you mentioned a while ago that you were quite surprised that that's where you've ended up at the current state as a nature writer. I just wondered if you'd read other swimming kind of narratives, whether it be some, something like Waterlog whilst you were going through this process, or if it just kind of ended up that way. 
Uh, I don't know about that. Um, Waterlog is obviously the book that everyone reads. You know, when I had no interest in writing the book, my book, as it were, you know, I read Waterlog as a wonderful book. Um, I don't know. After after that, I I kind of. Um, I'm not sure. You, um... Your book is very different to very to, different, to yes. Along, which is, uh, and that's what I wasn't quite. I think perhaps one of the things is that you didn't set out <laughs> to write to it. write a nature book. No. That it you in a way didn't realise that that you're not that it was a, a kind of it was really an unconscious thing that you were recording the world around you. Yeah. And what, emerged with the most beautiful nature writing. Whereas I think most nature writing is done very self-consciously. I would say that, that is, that's the difference. Yes, that'll, that'll do fine. That'll do fine, really. Yes, I don't think I, basically I didn't think I'd written a, a book. Yeah, it that, was a diary. That, yeah. You were writing a diary. And uh, have you written a diary all your life? No. So it began when? When did you start? I don't know. I'm trying to work it out. Um, all I know, let me put it this way. All I know is that the the book which I gave to you eventually was just stuff I'd written, and I didn't even realize I'd written it, as it were. You know, I was taking notes and mm. doing the stuff. Um, so it was your work in progress? Work in and progress, and I didn't know I was progressing. And you didn't let alone finish. It's certainly not finished. <laughs> Are there any other questions? Yes. Sorry, would you, so, 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 I think it's a very social book, <laughs> although that's quite amazing because swimming can be very lonely. You know, you just go. <laughs> but you can meet all these lifeguards. And, and friends, and then there's this unusual list of people at the beginning of the list of the book. Yes. That, <laughs> that is oh, really... Did that put you off? No, no, no. <laughs> I, mean, I kept going back. Yeah. That's a bit unusual, I think. Well, it's, it's a nice. bit like a cast of characters in a yeah. Russian yeah. novel. <laughs> yeah, well, it, that's what it turned out like, isn't it? Some weird way, yes. Maybe... Maybe I never knew I was writing a novel, <laughs> but all I know is, actually, let's get it straight, if it hadn't been for my wife and Alex here, it wouldn't be there. But it was, you know, this is, I've got nothing to do with it, really. It's <laughs> nothing. <laughs> Those sentences, nothing to do with you, Alex. <laughs> yes, that's right, all gone, yeah. Um, sorry, yeah. Did it help? Did it help that you are looking at nature, kind of at eye level, of being in the water? You're, you're looking at nature from an unusual perspective. You're not out there looking down at it. You are in the water, looking up at it. Did, a, did that make a difference to the writer? What a very good. I never thought of it like that. It's an extremely interesting take on it. That. Yeah, does it? You think that applies? That I absolutely hadn't thought of that. It's um, it's just yeah. 
I'm looking up rather than down. Yeah. Yeah, what an interesting thing. Well, I've come out of this ahead now, so... Yes, you're doing well. <laughs> There's one at the back there. Uh, not at the back. Yes, exactly. I would like to ask you a question and also to pay you some compliments. Um, I haven't read your new book. It came along tonight. I only heard about it on Tuesday, but because I wanted to hear you speak. Um, my question is, Feeling the Rat, your book about climbing. Um, I'm rather, I'm hoping this new book, and I'm certain that it will be, uh, a, a sort of story of adventure and thought, which I've always enjoyed. The Climbing the Rat was the only book that my dyslexic brother ever proposed to me um, as a book to read that, it, you know, encompassed the spirit of something. A book about climbing. And what I'm curious about is whether or not the phrase, feeling the rat, i.e. fueling your adrenaline, making yourself tick, making yourself feel alive, was a phrase which you put together on the basis of meeting all these climbers and climbing with them, or whether it was something, you know, a phrase that they put to you. No, it was them. Put, put, it was their it, phrase. Very much so. It, the actual phrase was, um, I think, first used by, there was a wonderful climber called Joe Brown, who was marvelously good, you know. Uh, one of those effortless climbers who just swarmed up stuff, you know. Um, and it was his phrase, I'm sure. Um, but no one else was using it at that time. So um, it seemed to fit exactly what I was talking about. Um, and I don't know, these people with real gifts for, um, for, for this thing, the ones who actually come up with some sort of phrase that makes it work for you, they... they um, that, that's kind of important for yourself, I think. I say, it is a very good title, God knows, but I can't even pretend it's mine. It, it, was, um, it, it, was, it was one of those things on the board. I, I'm sure Joe said, oh, I've got to feed the rat, you know, that it, that it was just part of, the, part of the lingo at the time. That's good. Does, does that follow? Anyone else? Yes, it's one here. Thank you. A key theme of the book was about coming to terms with disability. And as it happens, that's linked with aging. But do you think you would have written it differently or found it different if that disability had happened when you've been younger? The disability certainly happened when I was younger. Um, I had I, I had a very bad run, as it were, right at the beginning. I would say when I was very very small, um, and I'm sure that um, put my back up, as it were. Um, and I think that what actually what happened was I had to. I somehow or other felt it was necessary to do all the stuff that I didn't naturally come to. You know, I'd been born with this problem on my, um, my left leg. Um, 
and I needed to get, you know, somehow or other sort that out for myself in the process of getting older. That, does that make sense? That, So you, uh, yes, you spent a lot of your youth overcoming disability, as, as it were, and then, so getting older and finding walking harder, uh, the thing of swimming was the great redemption. Sure. Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd swum, you know, ever since I was sort of, you know, 11, 12, whatever it was, you know. Um, but the getting older stuff, that really happens much later. So anyway, I started thinking about it, which was really not all that long ago, you know, relatively speaking. Um, and then, of course, what happens as you get older is the it closes down on you very fast, doesn't it? That, um, you know, one day I'm doing fine and wouldn't know there was anything wrong with me, you know. Five days later, I didn't know whether I could even get up. You know, the, that sort of thing. I, um, it's it's more difficult, I think. I think. I think. Um, I think you just getting old, which is not really a subject I thought I was certainly thought I was writing about. Um, is is a very complicated business, and you you suddenly realise it's not that I'm getting I've got old, you know. And Christ Almighty, I'm eighty something now, you know that it's obviously I've got old, but um, but it's I don't know. I I, I find it very. I find the whole business of getting old kind of doesn't really fit with the idea I have of myself. <laughs> you know that? What well, the idea we have of you really are. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Uh, <laughs> Anyone else? Um, you said that you, you were talking about your different, your different rats and your, your rock that you're climbing and the poker, and yeah. you said that you didn't realise that, sort of, that swimming was a rat for you, really? Until when did when did you realise that actually swimming was actually was actually an extension of you being what, an adrenaline junkie? Rat, and really? yes, exactly. Um, that's a very good point. I'm, I don't know. All I know is I, 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 I obviously when I obviously must have considered it um, a rat before I knew what a rat was. Um, yeah, I think that's that's about right. I I, I think it, it it was a rat, and I know I I I started swimming relatively young, you know, right at the beginning of the war or something, you know, which is a hell of a long time ago. But um, but somehow or other, it didn't take I didn't take it as being very serious. It's just something that I did, you know. Um, but when it became a rat, I, I don't know. I, I think it must have become a rat 
Well, I wasn't looking, as it were. <laughs> and, um, the, you know, the, it was something I did, and then suddenly I really did it, you know. <laughs> Which rats do you miss the most? But, Which rats do you miss the most that you no longer do? Well, climbing is obviously the one, but I couldn't do that anymore. Um, so, if I'd better stick to swimming, I guess. I think so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone else? Sorry, Terry's one. Thanks. Um, I just wondered, with, um, with all these kind of uh, exciting and dangerous pursuits, whether that correlates to having a kind of freedom with your writing, whether you'll take more risks with writing than you maybe wouldn't, if you uh, didn't do these other, you know, other escapades? Well, that's, I don't know whether you would meant it that way, but it's a good, I take that as a great compliment. Um, that, you know, that what, I, what I think I, I have been trying to do is, um, is kind of, yeah, maybe, maybe that is it. You know, that, I, that it made me do the stuff that I, it helped me to do the, the stuff that I yearned to do anyway. Yeah, that does, that does make sense. And one of the things that, looking, looking over the, your career as an entirety, is that your life has very much been your, your, your art. The, the, the two are completely intertwined, but that most of your books in some way touch very much on your personal experience. Yes, that is true. Yeah. Were you aware of that as you were going through your life and your writing life? Well, an interesting point. I, I, I think the original, my original problem with that was that I'd started out writing sort of um, stuff that, that I'd done at university, you know, that um, I wrote a book about John Donne, for instance, um, who's still, you know, I think the greatest poet we have. That, um, but, you know, it, it was it, my, my... I don't know, I think I was... I don't, I don't, for instance, I don't think I, I wrote particularly well about that. I happened to do it because I was in that phase, you know. Um, but but it. Um, I, I also think that probably what happened was that the um, that I wrote. I, I wrote a couple of books about literary criticism, like you do, you know, and um, they. Um, but then I realized I didn't really, I didn't really enjoy that as a form of writing. And so somehow or other, I managed to get it that I was, I was, I was writing books that I wanted to write rather than stuff I knew I should write if I wanted, God help me, a university job or something like that. And, um, and so it, it became 
it became more porous, mm. as it were. Mm. And so, do you think that then you defined yourself as an outsider? Yeah. And that's been very exactly important. it. I think, and I think the the fact is that I've actually, I must be absolutely truthful, that except for a two quite separate years in in America, I don't think I've ever had a job. <laughs> you think I'm joking? I'm not joking. No, no I don't at all. <laughs> I really don't. I think it's, um, yeah, it's been, I've had a kind of slightly difficult upbringing. I don't quite know what I was, I still don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, you know, the, but... Yeah. No, I think I, I think as far as I can go, I still don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, well, maybe you'll find out. Maybe, <laughs> year, maybe not. And <laughs> <laughs> um, so, do you think that your Jewishness is connected in with this? No, How, I don't think so. You don't think it there's any relationship to feeling up an outsider in any way, going to British public schools, that kind of thing. Oh, I don't know. I don't. I don't think so, really. I came from a, a non, or an already non-practicing Jewish family, um, and but my father pretended, that, but he, he and um, his um, he and my mother in different, very, very different ways um, didn't. You know, they really didn't have anything to do with religion already, but um, but they kind of pretended. You know, when New Year came around, they did the, they did the stuff and so on. But it it wasn't at all real, and I kind of split myself that off from that. Very young indeed, I just didn't want anything to do with it. A semi-trivial question here. Uh, John Lacari says here, 70 glorious and inglorious years of women, poker, adventuring, etc. Of the women in poker, what do you consider your biggest rat? <laughs> and uh, and uh, which is your fondest memory of, the, of that? Or, big, or your biggest triumph? Triumph? In the uh, women in well, poker stakes. Well, I have a very, put it this way, I've got a very good marriage. Well, I've done okay as a as a poker player too. But, I mean, one of the one of the pleasures I think of of um, of sort of being old, getting older, whatever it is, is you can sort of think, oh well, that's been good, you know. Um, and, you know, I feel, I feel very much that way about my marriage, which is extremely good. I had, I, I had that, the usual thing, you know, that um, I, I've always assumed that everybody has to have a ba one bad marriage, you know, and, and that's the only way you could actually get a good one. Uh, <laughs> and... Um, 
and it worked out like that for me, and it, and it really did work out like that for me, so I, I've got no, no problems about that at all. Uh, but actually, I, I'm very lucky in that um, my wife and I are, um, we, we, we had so many divorces before we actually got married that, um, that it, it, it made everything quite easy, you know, because it, be, we'd been so long together by the time we actually made it official that um, my, my mother, my mother, um, I, I, when Anne and I finally decided to get married, as I say, it was about four years into, three and a half years into the relationship. Um, I thought, I, well, I better tell my mother. And so I, she was living on her own uh, at that point in a great big house. And um, I said, no, I've got something really important to tell you. Anne and I are going to get married. And I thought, oh, how wonderful, you know, we'll be this And she kind of thought it over for a bit and said, well, darling, since you don't seem able to marry money, at least this time you're marrying earning power. <laughs> <laughs> and it's worked out very well that way. <laughs> Yes, indeed. Yes. And what about your your earning power with the poker? Oh no, well, that comes and goes. Um, I, I, I've done all right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Leave it like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, you mentioned a minute ago that you haven't held down a job for a while, but you say in the in the journals that. The lifeguard at the Hampstead Pond has the best job in London. I wonder if you might have missed a calling there. Well, I, I, I'm sure I have, but I'm too old now. <laughs> I'm beyond... I don't know. Yeah, well, maybe. Yes. No, I think I'd be very good at telling jokes, but, um, <laughs> but I don't know whether I'd be much good at going in and pulling them out anymore. <laughs> that seems to be mostly what the lifeguard does. Though. Um, I had a more serious question, which is that... Um, there's something, there's an interesting parallel for me between um, writing a poem, which can be a way of arresting time, or of stopping time for a second, and the swims that you do, which seem to do something similar. For a moment, they seem to arrest or stop um, the aging process. They sort of seem to yeah. hermetically seal you for a moment. And, and it's just interesting that the journal ended up being so full of poems. And you mentioned that you weren't writing the book about aging, but I wonder as well if that the journal is also kind of a composite of poems that you might have been writing at the same time. Do you think that there's a relationship at all between the I'm sure that I'm sure they're they're linked. My 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 problem about the about writing poems is that it doesn't happen very often, particularly in my advanced age. But um and I just automatically keep it separate, that I don't think about, oh, I've got to write a poem about this, or that never crosses my mind. Um, but it's, um, I don't know, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> 
you're, you're my publisher. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you get up to, Al. <laughs> I know you're a publisher, but I don't know what you do. Um, but so you, you, st you are still writing poetry? Every so often, yeah. yes. But so that's something you've done really all your life? Yeah, I think so. I can, in fact, I can remember vaguely, you know, when, when I thought, oh, that, that's a real poet, you know. That, um, but it has very, very little to do with, um, basically, with anything that I, you know, that I can't say that I, you know, anything, anything to do with anything, really. I just... It's something I do and I love doing, um, but it doesn't happen very often, mm. um, which is a pity. But um, and I'm willing to bet um, that nobody even imagines I'm a poet anymore. You know, because I do it. I, I actually finish something and publish it so rarely these days. That it, it, it isn't there, you know, unfortunately, it would be nice to, to do it, but it's, it's not a big deal. And what do you read? Read? Ah, interesting point. Um, what do I read? I don't know. At the moment, obviously I'm just now talking about it. I'm having a kind of bad time reading because my eyesight's not, not very good. Um, and so I, everything is so slow. Mm. Uh, that drives me nuts. Mm. Um, I, t I tend, what I tend to do is spend ages reading things like The New Yorker, The New York Review, because, because I, a I still write for them, and um, and b they come in the door, you know, what, well, you know, once every couple of weeks. Uh, um, basically, all I'm telling you is I shouldn't be doing what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> I putting stuff out for you to publish. <laughs> I'm just interested because I think people do change in in their reading habit, what sustains them in different bits of their life. I mean, my father, towards the end of his life, read Alice Munro. That became, that was really the, the writer he loved reading the most. Yeah, which is wonderful. And um, I, I realized that as I get older, I, um, I turn towards memoir. That, that gives me a great deal, which... 20 years ago, I wasn't... It was no, that's a very fiction. good point, and yeah. I think it's just quite interesting looking at your life and thinking about what sustains you in your reading at various sure. times. Yeah, it, it's actually, it's, it's, it is a kind of difficult thing to remember because you have to keep up with yourself, don't you? Mm. You know, that, um, you know, it's not just the thing of, oh, I've, 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 I find I'm... I'm spending a lot of time reading New Yorkish short stories and or, but anyway, everything's getting slower. Mm. You know, the boys are getting slower. But. Are there any more? Yes, there's one there. 
Could I please ask you about the wonderful anecdote in Pond Life about the extraordinary elderly woman with the mass of white hair who had to stand up and expose her um, underwhelming embonpoint? <laughs> and what I wanted to ask you was, when the lifeguard rode out to shoo the swans away, yeah. did they tell you whether or not she said anything? Oh. Did she thank them? Or was she cross? <laughs> well, we're talking about the same person, are we? We're talking about the... The, the elderly lady who got penned in oh, by the I'm swans. Sorry. No, no, that, 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 that certainly happened. And um, I think she was very pissed off. But <laughs> I think it, it did not go down well. But she, I think also, I said this happened some time ago, um, but I, th I think she was just very pissed off with the, li the lifeguards, with the uh, with anybody who was there. She she didn't like at that point. You know that it was a kind of she that what's what's that great phrase? Um, I, I, I can't remember it now, but there, there is a phrase any, anybody present she hated. I think she really didn't, didn't, wasn't keen on any of the people around. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. She yeah. sounds very scary indeed. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Clearly, having well, a Leda fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? Yeah. She's having a Leda fantasy. And, <laughs> um, you know, her swans were taken away from her. Oh, yes, that's the point. <laughs> the swans were for the dogs. Yeah. <laughs> Are there any more? Is there one more? I'm sorry, I'm being very boring. I'm not answering you as I should. Oh, you couldn't be boring if you tried. One more? Are you sure? Yeah. Um, you wrote my favorite poker book, The Biggest Game in Town, and I wondered, uh, there was a line, I, I think it may have been you who said it, that, that for a, a writer to you know, really succeed at poker would be like NASA sending a poet to the moon. Um, but, but I wondered what your other favorite books on the subject were. Sorry. Your, your other favorite poker books. Oh, well, I mean, are there any? I, 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 there's a very famous one. Um, what's he? What's the guy called? God, oh my. Um, oh Christ! What's his name? Um, famous poker book. Famous poker book. Anyone? Anthony Holden. Anthony Holden. Somebody. No, 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 no. Him. Hmm? Jonathan Rendell? No, a poker player. Um, Christ, what's his name? Famous, famous poker player. Um, I'm sorry, this is my mind going. Got no, what? Doyle Brunson. Doyle Brunson wrote a wonderful book about how you how you play the game, um, but he he didn't do the the. the the book that everybody everybody reads, you know, when you're starting off. Uh, um, what's the guy? What's the guy called? Yeah. Education of a poker player. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah.
Yeah, and that's what that's a marvelous quote. Yes, question. <clears throat> just finally, I was, <clears throat> I was just wondering, as this um, outsider, this writer who's the outsider, you've written um, consistently about groups of friends, whether they be climbers, poker players, or swimmers. And I just wondered if your friends ever get a little bit riled that you're the outsider kind of uh, chronicling their lives? Uh, well, they, they tend, most, most of them don't read a thing, so, so you're, you're, <laughs> you're completely safe there. But, but um, it's an interesting point. I don't think I chronicle their lives, and I'm sure they, 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 they never catch up on me anyway. That they're, they're, they're not a very, um, you know, they don't read a lot of books. I think I can safely say. That's perhaps because the the friends that inhabit your books are the physical friends. Yeah. Those who do are on the oil rig or climbing the mountain, well, the, rather than your literary friends. And yes, that is a good point. Well. Yeah, the climbing, the climbers are very old friends indeed, you know. Um, well, I no longer climb, but, you know, um, but I don't know. I, what I do know is that, I mean, see, I've done things like, you know, gone out onto the oil rigs and so on, and, um, and there I'm totally positive that none of them have ever read a word I've written, you know, that I'm sure of. But I like that. I like, what I like, what I used to like anyway, is um, the business of just turning up and, and writing something and that, which with a bit of luck they won't read anyway. You know, that, 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 that cheers me up a little bit. But. <laughs> Well, I think um, one of the things that's so exceptional about all those books is that you are, in a way, you are such a boy. You are just such a boy, and there's all that testosterone. But then you write about those activities with the eye and the heart and the sensibility and the language of a poet, and that is incredibly rare. Um, and I think that in Pond Life, you've brought so much together in this book. And it is simply one of the most beautiful things I've read. And I will never forget being on the plane to Delhi when I read it, when I read the manuscript. And I didn't even realize that at the end I had tears pooling in my lap. Um, and I think it's the most extraordinary thing that Al has done. And if you haven't read it yet, you have the greatest treat in store. And I'd like to say thank you, Al, so much for coming out on this wicked March night. It's been a lovely occasion for me, and thank you so much. Thank you, Al. Thank you so much. That was so delightful to have you here, and thank you very much, Alexandra, for such a good interview. And thank you all for your very intelligent questions. I hope we'll see you all again, and please do sign our visitor's book on your way out. And if you'd like to have your copy signed, then I'll be happy to sign it for you. <laughs>